Hey there, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of the podcast was good. As you can tell, no Jacob today. Austin standing in doing the intro alongside me this week. We've got Michael Dugan works down in Mississippi covering a whole smorgasbord of sports for a television station, including SEC football. Uh, Michael, thanks for coming on the pod, being our first guest, actually. Is that so? Wow, that's a that's a big honor. So this week, obviously, a big one for IU football. Uh, on Sunday, the, the Bulls came out, and Indiana is headed to the Gator Bowl to play the Tennessee Volunteers. Michael, there was a bit of uncertainty with the Bulls when, you know, Indiana was kind of looking for this and that to happen to kind of ensure that they wouldn't end up in the pinstripe bowl again. Uh, that was a real possibility, and it kind of seemed like everything broke their way, and for, I believe, the, the first time in the program's history, they're playing in a Florida bowl game, which seems crazy, but then again, this is Indiana football. What, what was your reaction to kind of all of that breaking Indiana's way and the Hoosiers getting what seems like a really good bowl draw? Yeah, I think, uh, well, first of all, all of the confusion surrounding where they would be and who they would play kind of did its best to taint the day and its magnitude for Indiana because I think it, it's kind of overshadowing now just how big a deal it is for this team to be 8-4 and four, Playing in a Florida Bowl game, that's a legitimate game. It's not, you know, the Gasparilla Bad Boy Mowers Bowl or whatever the heck that, that bowl game you. is called. That bowl's fantastic, okay? Name, it's, it's probably the best named bowl game of the 41. But, uh, I, I was just, I was confused at first because I was like, can we just please, it, it's so Indiana football to have such a great season end with, I don't know who the heck we're going to play where, um, so I guess that was extremely on brand to have that confusion. I think a lot of people would have rather have played Kentucky, which was the initial report. But be that as it may, they have a good a good opponent in Tennessee that we're going to break down in depth. Um, but I think overall the the confusion of where they're going to be and who they're going to play, don't let that overshadow how great of an accomplishment this is for Indiana because we're in uncharted territory right now. A few other just facts about this bowl game with the Hoosiers. I believe this is the third time in the program's history that the Hoosiers will play a game in January, which is very interesting. Um, we've considered this to be one of the better seasons, especially in recent history, but this might end up being one of the top three seasons in the program's history, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um and then just another thing, I'm pretty sure that with the way the bowl schedule shakes out, uh, January 2nd is when this bowl game is played, and I believe that on that day, there will be one football game, one, between college and the pros on television, and the Indiana Hoosiers will be playing it. That kind of blew my mind a little bit. That, you know, that's a thing that maybe could help with recruiting, that, you know, kind of raises a program's profile that... There's going to be a lot of people watching them play on national television. Yeah, they're prime time. Uh, and, and it's you mentioned recruiting. Tom Allen obviously has a pretty solid pipeline from Bloomington to really Florida. A lot of guys from Tampa. Uh, but basically from Indiana to Florida, he's got a nice pipeline. So to be able – and he commented on this when he met with the media on Sunday. But to be able to go down to where you have roots and where you've got a strong pipeline – 
for a big bowl game against a marquee opponent, even though Tennessee's not quite what they used to be, to say the least. It's a big-name opponent in a very relevant bowl game. So to be able to kind of meet with your recruits and, and get them to be able to see your team play in a big bowl game where I hope Indiana fans will travel well, it's huge for recruiting. It's, it's huge for recruiting. I don't think that can really be understated. It will also be big for two guys on the current roster. Uh, Khalil Bryant will be playing in his last game as a Hoosier, uh, senior safety. And he's actually from the 904. He went to first coast high school. So it'll be a nice full circle thing for him going back to his hometown to round out his career. Uh, Devin Matthews is another guy who's from Jacksonville. So I'm sure it'll be nice for him to go home as well. Um, you already mentioned this a little bit, but after that Brett McMurphy report came out, it was Indiana, Kentucky. Everybody seemed to kind of, you know, it was big. It was the bourbon barrel. It was back. And then it wasn't. Uh, it, it seems from all kinds of talk about it. Um, Philip Fulmer kind of, uh, wind his team's way into a different bowl game because it was originally reported that the Vols were going to be in the Music City, uh, in their home state. And I, I would understand why the Vols would want to get out of Tennessee for this game. But, um, I, I think that it, it was a little bit interesting to see kind of it all unfold in real time. What did you see, you know, during, that period between McMurphy reporting the bourbon barrel and it officially coming out Indiana, Tennessee. Well, at the same time that that was happening, there was confusion about where Mississippi state was going to play. And I was still waiting to see where Southern miss was going to play. Cause those are the two bowl bowl eligible teams that I um, job wise ha- had to pay attention to. Um, so I, my head was all over the place. I was in desperate need of, of a j- tall glass of water and maybe a little something else because there was a lot going on in the span of about 15 to 20 minutes. Um, but I, it, the whole thing, like I said earlier, it was just I, – I think my initial reaction was, yeah, from, from just a college athletics fan's perspective, I would have loved to see Indiana-Kentucky, let alone from an Indiana or a Kentucky fan's perspective. Just as a fan of college athletics – Watching a, ba- a traditional basketball rivalry, you know, which a lot of people would argue that's very obviously a very heavy basketball rivalry uh, compared to football, that would have been a lot of fun to see no matter where they would have played, especially if it were in Nashville where the two fans could kind of meet, you know, not too far away, easily driving distance. That would have been a whole lot of fun. I don't think anybody can deny that. Um, and I think a lot of people would say to go from that and seeing official reports that that was going to happen to, oh, yeah, you're playing another SEC team that's not Kentucky, and, oh, by the way, you probably have to buy plane tickets if you want to go. Indiana fans are probably a little disappointed because the matchup isn't as exciting. There's not near the bad blood between the two schools, and you have to pay extra money and go a further distance. But it's a better bowl game on a better better date, better time frame, uh, and you're getting a pretty good football team too. So I would say my reaction was, yeah, less exciting, sure, but you know, once 24, 48 hours passes – I think we're all going to shift our focus to this is still a good opponent in a marquee bowl game. You know, if they can go and complete hashtag nine win Indiana, it doesn't matter who they're playing. That's just where the program is right now. It doesn't matter who they're playing or where. If you can get to nine wins, it, it don't matter. I agree. Uh, I was actually getting ready to bring that up because we we were kind of talking about, you know, the matchup with Kentucky. And uh, I, I think I tweeted this out on Sunday, but. If you're a Hoosier fan and it's Indiana, Kentucky, 
you should be absolutely terrified of, of Lynn Bowden because that dude can play football, um, wide receiver, turned quarterback for the Wildcats, and he just absolutely wrecked Louisville. I, I think he had like 250 yards on the ground or something, and, and the thing is is that Louisville knew that he was going to run it, and they still couldn't stop him. So I, I know that when that was the matchup that was announced, I was like, how in the world are the Hoosiers going to be able to handle him in particular because – They've struggled at times with running quarterbacks. Uh, not that Bowden is exactly the same as a, a Sean Clifford per se, but um, I, I think I'm a bit more confident about the Hoosiers being able to take care of business against Tennessee, honestly. Um, it, it doesn't make much sense considering that Tennessee beat Kentucky head-to-head and SP Plus has Tennessee ahead of Kentucky, but what's your kind of your thoughts on just purely from a football standpoint, trying to win a game where, you know, you you get to choose between Tennessee and Kentucky, who would you rather play if you're Indiana? I, well, statistically, I think both Tennessee and Kentucky based off pretty much every metric I've looked at, they're very similar. Um, they're both driven by defense statistically and an offense that, you know, probably won't, kill you probably won't lose you a game but it's definitely not gonna you know hang 50 on you and win you a game um unless it's of course an old-fashioned old western shootout but i think for indiana's sake i think the more favorable matchup is what they have i think it's tennessee uh you know i i did a deep dive on on what tennessee is and and I, i had to watch one of their games this year against mississippi state which was you know just just so happened to be the turning point of their season. They were one and four going into that game. Mississippi State. That was kind of the the point in the season where a lot of people were thinking Joe Moorhead had successfully dug his own grave in that game. But they turned it around, and then the Egg Bowl happened, and the rest is history. And he's keeping his job. Um, but you know th- this Tennessee team, and we'll dive deeper into it at the surface. From what I've seen from them this year, and what the analytics and, and numbers tell me, and metrics tell me is that this team is nothing special at any position at all. Their pass rush is fine. It's not great, but it's not terrible. They've got some pretty solid athletes. Their offensive line is okay. Um, A lot of their big plays this season, at least on the ground, have been generated by guys like Eric Gray, who went off against Vanderbilt. That's a freshman running back who I think is a name to watch in this ballgame. I think they may just unleash him. He's a great athlete. Um a lot of his big plays this season, which there haven't been a whole lot, but a lot of his plays of, you know, five, six, seven yards or more have been generated by him just finding his way outside the tackles into open space and breaking a few guys. Uh, so the offensive line doesn't generate a great pass protection. Their quarterback play has been a little inconsistent, uh, and their, their run blocking isn't, isn't elite. So in the trenches, they don't impress me. They're extremely average. Their quarterback play, like I just said, extremely average. Their secondary is pretty good, and their skill players are pretty good. But that's the general scouting report on Tennessee, and I'm sure we'll go deeper in depth on, on the, at least a couple of those position groups. But the general scouting report is, in the trenches, they're astonishingly mediocre. Quarterback play is p- fairly inconsistent and also pretty mediocre. Their skill players are pretty good, and their secondary is pretty good. Uh, the tape and the metrics will tell you both of those, I'm pretty sure. Uh, at least from what I've seen. But not that scary of a matchup if you're Indiana. There, you can clearly see how Indiana can win this game, which 
you know, isn't really the case most of the season with that's just life in the Big Ten East. So, you know, we've started talking about the Vols. I'll just go through and I'll break down kind of what their season has looked like, uh, what the metrics say about them, and then we'll, we'll start to talk, you know, specifics. Uh, for the Vols, seven and five on the season, uh, five and three at Neyland Stadium, two and two on the road. Uh, they opened their season by losing Back-to-back home games, they dropped to uh, Georgia State 30-38, to which you absolutely hate to see. Uh, you don't like losing to those mid-majors like that. Um, then the next week, they hosted BYU, and they fell in double overtime, 29-26, which, well, that, uh, that was a really rough start for them, uh, but they were able to bounce back. They beat Chattanooga 45 to nothing the next week. Then they went and they got smoked by a really good Florida team. Then they lost to a really good Georgia team. Um, and then that Mississippi State game that you mentioned, 20-10, to 10, and that kind of got them on a bit of a roll, despite the fact that they got steamrolled by Alabama the next week. Uh, then all they did was win their last five games in a row. They beat South Carolina. They beat UAB. They barely scratched out a win in Lexington. 17-13, they barely beat Missouri on the road 24-20, and then on senior day, they beat Vanderbilt. So, all in all, a pretty mediocre resume, uh, like, like you said. I mean, you lose to all of the good teams you played, and you also lose to Georgia State and BYU, which aren't great teams. Um, and then you barely scratch out wins over Kentucky and Missouri. And that, that just at face value, I think makes the balls look a little suspect, a little vulnerable. Uh, when you look at SP plus, which of course is our advanced statistic ranking of choice here at Crimson Quarry, um, Bill Connolly does great work with this stuff. Tennessee is ranked 31st in the country, in SP+. Uh, they rank 74th offensively. Not a great offense. Though on defense, they are much better, ranking 19th. That, um, that seems like the kind of team that Indiana can take advantage of. Uh, Indiana has been playing against good defenses all year and been performing well against those defenses for the most part. Uh, obviously, Ohio State aside, so uh, that's just kind of the the general overview of the Tennessee Volunteers at this point in the season. Um, suspect resume, bad offense, good defense. Um, I, I think that overall that makes it seem, uh, if you look at what SP Plus has this game projected as, it's projected as a four-point Indiana win. Um, because it's a neutral field, Indiana by a touchdown if they were in Bloomington, but thank God they won't be. Yeah, <laughs> you could say that again. Uh, I, I think looking at this just kind of ahead of time, obviously, if Indiana is going to lose this game, I don't really see a scenario in which after the game we kind of sit back and say, man, Indiana really played well. They just kind of got outplayed. They were outplayed by a better team. I just don't see that happening. I think this is a, I think Indiana has the skill players from Samson James, Stevie Scott, Samson James, that coming out party against Purdue. I think we, a lot of people were waiting on that pretty much all season. That's not really going out on a limb there. Those two guys, Wap Fillier, 
Nick Westbrook, Peyton Hendershot, all those receivers, that's a skill group position of five to seven guys that Tennessee has seen only a couple of times this year. I think if you combine every team that Tennessee has played this year, or t- take every every team that Tennessee has played this year, they're five to seven skill guys. I think Indiana ranks better than any team Tennessee beat this year. You mentioned their their five-game stretch to end the season. That was against opponents with a combined record of 28-32. and 32. One of those was UAB. That's obviously a non-SEC opponent. You take them out, and the combined record of those four of the five opponents is 19-28. and 28. So it's kind of like what Indiana did. The knock on Indiana was, well, you didn't really beat anyone that you shouldn't have beaten. You didn't really get an upset this year, but you took care of the teams that you were supposed to. And that's pretty much the same case for Tennessee. Tennessee hasn't beaten the team this year that I think brings forward the skill players that Indiana has, the guys that I just mentioned, and then some. So Tennessee's going to have to play a really good football game to win this game. I think if Indiana can show up and play like they did offensively speaking, against, like they did against Northwestern, Northwestern's a very good defense. The metrics don't necessarily say they're elite, they're great, because they're on the field for 95% of the game because the offense gives me nausea. But... um that's a really good Northwestern defense with a lot of good players on it. And Indiana, I don't want to say tore them up, but it didn't look very difficult for most of that game for the Hoosier offense to get going. Uh, and statistically, Tennessee's defense is not too far off from Northwestern's. Their offense is an upgrade. But Indiana showed that it's capable of carving up a really solid defense when it has to. So Indiana's got the track record, I think, to suggest they have the edge in this game. But again, on paper, numbers, eye test, the two teams overall are pretty similar. It's going to be a good game, but I just don't see a scenario in which Indiana plays well, generally speaking, and loses this game. I, I, I just haven't seen it from Tennessee this year to suggest that that's a possibility. It could be because it's college football, but I just haven't seen that from Tennessee this year. If they're going to do it, they have to play their best game of the year by a pretty decent margin. Another defense to kind of keep in mind in terms of one that's Indian, that Indiana has played and shown the ability to score points on is the Penn State defense, ranked number nine in SB+. Indiana went out, and Peyton Ramsey had a heck of a day against the number nine defense in SB+. So one would think that in a, a perfect world, he would be just as effective, if not more, against the number 19 defense. So I, to, to continue just kind of looking at IU's offense against this defense. The the Vols do have some some playmakers. They have uh, a guy named Daryl Taylor. He's got seven sacks on the season, eight tackles for loss. Um, solid year for him. They they have a handful of guys that have picked up interceptions. They've got fourteen of them on the year so far as a team. So, you know, they have players, you know, they have a few guys who have received freshman All-American honors. Um, they, they've got talent on that defense. Uh, also, they're, they're leading interceptor of passes. They're leading, seems like they're leading pass defender. His name is Nigel Warrior. Uh, so instantly, he, he becomes a player to watch just because that's a heck of a name, first of all. Um, Second of all, he's actually good at football, so it's hard to beat a one-two combination like that with the name and the talent, so kudos to him, but I think that Indiana will have, you've already mentioned this a little bit, Indiana will have the horses to you know 
do some things against this defense between Villier and Scott and James and, you know, just all of these different guys, Nick Westbrook only shows up in big moments. So, you know, this is a perfect game for him because it's his last game and he's playing in his home state. So um, just a lot of reason to hope in this game, um, especially considering that in the strength-on-strength matchup with Indiana's offense being number 14 in the country in SP Plus offensive rankings and Tennessee's defense being 19, as previously mentioned, I think that Indiana has the edge in the strength-on-strength matchup. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And I mentioned it earlier, and this isn't to say that Indiana's group of receivers is comparable to Florida and Alabama and Georgia, but again, it's, it's, it's somewhere between, their group of receivers is somewhere between Kentucky and South Carolina and Alabama and Georgia. That's a big gap, but they're somewhere in between that. And that says something because Kentucky, Tennessee struggled with South Carolina. That was a weird game, but Tennessee ended up winning by 20. Um, you know, so the Indiana receivers are, are definitely better than that, but they're obviously not quite Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and Jerry Judy, who could probably go one, two, three, four in the NFL draft and nobody would bat not. Um, so look, t- Tennessee's strength, I think if you take their biggest strength as a team, as a whole, it's their secondary. It's Nigel Warrior. It's their ability to defend the pass because their pass defense statistically is pretty damn solid. But their defensive line doesn't generate a lot, of, doesn't generate a great pass rush. They don't get to the quarterback very often. They haven't gotten a lot of sacks this year. Uh, I'm pulling up that number right now. I'm forgetting it off the top of my head. I believe it's 30 total sacks on the year. It is. Um, that's to- like maybe top third in the country, but nothing too great. Uh, Indiana's not too far behind them at 26. They don't do a great job of getting to the quarterback, um, but their ability to defend the pass really comes from their great secondary playmakers they like to run man coverage they throw their guys out on an island and they trust them and it's rightfully so because those guys are good they've got good corners they've got good safeties Um, but Indiana as we know likes to move quickly they've got a mobile quarterback in Peyton Ramsey who showed throughout the season he's very good at improvising if the the, uh, pocket collapses if he has to so you know I, I trust Indiana's offense to be able to march down the field whenever they need to and Austin, we were texting the other night. I said, I think 27 points is enough for Indiana to win this game. I can very easily see how they can put up 27 points. And if the defense merely shows up and does its job, it doesn't have to play out of its mind. If the defense shows up and plays to what it's capable of, you know, does a nice job, has a decent to solid day, I don't know if Tennessee's going to put 27 points on the board unless Peyton Ramsey coughs up a pick six here or there. So, yeah, I mean, the Tennessee strength is in the secondary, which, if you're Indiana, matches up great because you trust your receivers to go out and, and bang with basically anyone out there. I think that, you know, another interesting thing, you, you mentioned their uh, their preference for man coverage, and, you know, I think that that could play into Indiana's hands a little bit because uh, we saw this a bit against uh, a lot of teams this year, actually. You know, you're back in man coverage, and... You know, Indiana's trying to find something, dial up something deep, pocket collapses, and then all of a sudden Peyton Ramsey goes, and there's nobody there to stop him necessarily because they're all back in man coverage. So I I think that uh, this will be an interesting uh, game to see how Kalen DeBoer kind of, you know, what he wants to dial up and when, how he wants to play against the Vols uh, could easily be a good game for this Indiana offense. 
Um, to flip over and kind of look at things in the other direction, the Indiana defense versus the the volunteer offense, I, I think that this is a bit of an interesting matchup as well because Tennessee doesn't have great numbers. They do have some good players, though, uh, at, at least one good player. Um to look at SP plus, like I mentioned, Tennessee 74th in the country offensive SP plus, um, Indiana 46th in the country SP plus. So according to the advanced statistics, Indiana has the advantage in the quote weakness on weakness matchup as well. Um, but one guy to watch for the volunteers offensively, redshirt senior wide receiver, Juwan Jennings. Uh, he is basically one of the best receivers in volunteer history, uh, sixth in the program's history in catches, eighth in receiving yards, tied for eighth in touchdown receptions. Um, he's been a guy who's been making plays for years and years, and this will be his swan song. So um, I, I think that that's a guy that, is, you know, if you're Indiana – you're going to have to watch out for him. Uh, he's the guy that Vol fans are running to our mentions and yelling about. <laughs> uh, what, what have you seen from Jennings, uh, if you've seen anything from him this season, Michael? Uh, you pretty much nailed it. Uh, he's a stud. He's an athletic freak. He's a playmaker. He's also suspended for the first half because he made the very wise decision in the Vanderbilt game of stepping on a Vanderbilt player's uncovered face. You have to question oh. his decision-making after that. Obviously not, not a great, great move. It's a bad look. Um, so we won't be seeing him for the first 30 minutes of football, which if you are if you followed the Indiana program, you know exactly what's happening. Indiana's going to take a 10- to 13-point lead into halftime. This kid's going to come up, probably score an 80-yard touchdown uh, on a play-action play, the first play of the third quarter after Tennessee recovers an onside kick, and then the rest, it's just going to be a drunk second half. Um but, no, I, I would imagine if Indiana can successfully stop the run with guys like Eric Gray, who I think is going to be used a lot in this game. Uh, he's shown flashes throughout the season. And, like I said earlier, he had 25 carries against Vanderbilt for 246 yards and three touchdowns. He was basically the entire offense for Tennessee. Granted, it's Vanderbilt, but anytime you can put up those numbers in a, in a conference game, you know that, that's impressive. And he's a true freshman. He's very athletic. He's very shifty. He's tough to bring down. And he makes a lot of good plays in the open field. So Indiana's going to have to play solid fundamental football, wrap up on these tackles, don't let him break free because he's very capable of busting one if he does. Um, but look, it, it's going to come down to Juwan Jennings in the second half. Tennessee's not going to put this game away in the first half without him. It's it, Unless Indiana loses its top five guys to injury, it's just not going to happen. Um, if they do, then it was a great season. Still got eight wins. But... It's just not going to happen. This is going to be a 60-minute football game. So, you know, for Indiana, you've got to know that Juwan Jennings is coming back in the second half, and you have to commit in the first half to stopping the run because their receivers are good, but they're not very proven outside of Juwan Jennings throughout the season. He's got almost 1,000 receiving yards um, out of 2,500 for, for Tennessee as a whole. So he's, de he's very clearly their leader in terms of catching the football. He's got twice as many receptions as the next guy, Marquez Callaway, also a good name. But... It, it commit in the first half to stopping the run. If you do that and you do it successfully, Tennessee is going to be have to have to be playing catch up in the second half. And Indiana, you trust Tywan Mullen, you trust your secondary to make those plays, you trust your defensive front to get to the quarterback. So this is a fun matchup defensively for Indiana with that you know 
that that Tom Allen defense that we've grown so accustomed to um, in a lot of games over the past few years. This is a really fun matchup, X's and O's wise. So uh, I'm really excited to see to see how this goes down. Um, but you know, Jawan Jennings is going to be the X factor. He's coming back in the second half. They're probably just going to throw it to him every time. It's that's what it's going to come down to. Is can they limit him enough in the second half? This should be a huge matchup for Taiwan Mullen. Um, we saw him a lot against David Bell in the Purdue game. He, he's the guy who's kind of stepped up, and Taiwan Mullen is the dog of the corners. He goes up and he takes, you know, whoever he needs to, and he kind of takes care of business. Now, David Bell had a good game for Purdue, but, you know, if you just look at the stat lines, that doesn't really tell the whole story. Um, I believe that it was Bill Connolly who tweeted out that, like, it, looking at just like individual player ratings from that game, Taiwan Mullen was his highest-rated player, and you know David Bell was still able to do what David Bell did. So I just, you know, those were two really good guys going head to head. I would expect to see a lot of that in the second half as well. Jawan Jennings versus Taiwan Mullen. Um, now looking at the guy who's going to be trying to throw the ball to Jawan Jennings, Jarrett Garantano. Uh, He's played in parts of the last three seasons for the Vols. He's an experienced guy. He is a redshirt junior. And from all of his numbers, he seems like the best word to describe him would be fine. Uh, this season, he's completing 59% of his passes. He's got 16 touchdowns to six interceptions. 1,937 yards, and he's averaging 8.6 yards per pass. So he's getting the job done for the Vols. Um, I don't think that there's necessarily anything special about him. Um, in your experience seeing Garantano, it, it, what have you seen from him? What's kind of the scouting report for, for the Vols QB? Well, fine is usually not a very descriptive word, but in this case it's by far the most accurate way to describe this kid. Uh, his three highest rated games as a passer were against Kentucky, Mississippi State, and Chattanooga. And in those games, he threw eight passes, seven passes, and eight passes. So Garantano in snippets is the best kind of Garantano. Um, in games where he's thrown 25 passes or more, that was against BYU, Georgia State, and Missouri. Uh, his rating was fine, I guess, for all of those. It was good against Missouri, a 93.1 QBR, 161.2 rating, two touchdowns, 415 yards, but he only completed 57% of his passes. That's a Missouri team that, oh, by the way, just fired its head coach. Um, yeah, and the other two games that I mentioned were BYU and Georgia State, both losses. Uh, ratings were, again, fine. But he doesn't complete his passes with much efficiency, uh, when he throws more than 20 to 25 passes, which has only been about four or five games this year. Um, you know, in those games where he threw, you know, like I said, Mississippi State, Chattanooga, Kentucky, uh, seven for eight, six of seven, seven for eight. I think no touchdowns in those games, or I'm sorry, no interceptions in those games combined, uh, and six touchdowns. So that's pretty good against not great teams, but, um, he's got playmakers at receiver. And if Indiana can pressure him, He's nim, he's capable on his feet. I wouldn't exactly call him mobile. I wouldn't exactly call him a scrambler. Um, but he's capable, I guess, of making a play or two with his feet. He's not going to wow you. Um, 
But if Indiana can just get to him early, like I said, the Tennessee offensive line is nothing to write home about. If Indiana can get to him early enough and force him to make decisions and force him to make plays, their defense should control this game. There are going to be plays made by Tennessee here and there because, like I said, they've got great skill players. But if Indiana can force Garantano to make plays by himself most of the time when he's passing it, this game should go just fine for Indiana. His most recent performance against Vanderbilt, he went 6 of 17. That's 35% for his uh, completion percentage, which not great. That's uh, it's going to be a little yikes for me. It's it's one and a half yikes for me. A moderate sized yike. He um he went one one in terms of touchdown interception ratio, which um, also that's that's not great. That's about the uh, the the Jameis Winston ratio, which it's not what you want to see. You don't like um, to see it, folks. Especially without the the million passing yards and you know that go along with it. Um, but another thing is that. He doesn't, you know, you mentioned that he's nimble enough. Um, he doesn't particularly seem like a threat to take off and go. Uh, his best rushing game of the season came against South Carolina, and that was two runs for 15 yards. So um, I don't really think that's uh, there's much to worry about there. Uh, I mean, this season he's averaging 1.2 yards per carry. Obviously, that's... Probably a bit watered down just because I believe that uh, sacks go against the quarterback's rushing yards in college football. I, I think that's a thing people aren't happy about, but um, not much of a dual threat. Seems very fine as a game manager. Um, all in all, just outside of, of Jennings and you know Eric Gray, not a lot of... Things to be worried about with the Vols offense. Obviously, as an SEC team, they're going to have their fair share of talent. But I'm feeling pretty optimistic about this matchup the more that I look at it. Um, Just kind of overall, uh, all in all, Michael, Indiana, Tennessee, how confident are you feeling in the Hoosiers? Uh, I mean, we're still like a month away from this game, but, you know, just very early feelings what what have you got well I I agree with you the more I looked into it at first I was a little hesitant I was like I'm not sure I really love this matchup for Indiana but the more I thought about it the more I looked into it the more I watched the more I researched the more I convinced myself actually this is a pretty favorable matchup for Indiana because Tennessee on the perimeter they've got SEC speed on both sides of the ball and they've got SEC playmakers on both sides of the ball on the perimeter on the interior on both sides of the ball they're very pedestrian so if you're Indiana, if you go out and you tell somebody, okay, this game is basically going to be dictated by who wins the battle on the perimeter, you'd probably take that unless you're going against, you know, an LSU, Alabama, you know, one of those teams out there that just for whatever reason has five NFL draft picks at wide receiver, um, which Tennessee does not. But they've got Juwan Jennings who will play for a half and he's great, whatever. But, you know, I think Indiana is capable of winning the battle in the interior, at least with Peyton Ramsey. Like we talked about earlier, his ability to improvise. Samson James, if he can play like he did against Purdue, my gosh, this Indiana should easily win this game. Uh, Stevie Scott, assuming they both go, which they should. Tom Allen said they should, uh, I believe. Like, Indiana should be able to win this game in the interior offensively. They have the capability of winning on the perimeter on both sides of the football throughout the 60 minutes. So, I, I, I guess I'd have to lean Indiana. I, 
it's it's not a cakewalk by any means because like I said, Tennessee's got playmakers of like legitimate SEC playmakers along the perimeter. But in terms of inside the secondary and the wide receivers, they they really won't wow you. Um, except for maybe one or two runs by Eric Gray, who I I love when I've watched him on tape. Uh, he's 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 a freshman. He's gonna have a bright future at Tennessee, but they're really not gonna wow you. I, I think it's outside of the secondary and their wide receivers. I'd have to agree with a lot of that. Um, it, it seems like it'll be a pretty interesting game. Uh, a lot of interesting individual matchups to follow in this one. Um, I'm sure that we'll be going possibly even more in-depth somehow uh, over the next month or so. Uh, a lot of lot of things to talk about in Indiana athletics right now. Uh, I just want to thank Michael for coming on the pod. Make sure to follow him on Twitter, at MDuganWLOX. A uh, lot of great content there about, uh, you know, all of the sports down in the Biloxi, Mississippi area, uh, Saints, Mississippi State, a lot of fun stuff. I'm sure there might be a tweet or two about Jason Derulo, but I, I think that you can get past that. Uh, so, yeah, just uh, thanks for coming on, Michael. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was good talking to you. Uh, always a good time to talk Indiana sports. It's a it's a pretty good time to be an Indiana Hoosier is, is the general consensus of the state of the athletic program right now. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the podcast. It was good. Make sure to like, subscribe, leave us a review, five stars, please, uh, wherever you're listening to this, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, this is Austin Matricardi. The podcast was good, a podcast on the Crimson Quarry Network. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.